Welcome to Web3 Galaxy Brain. My name is Nicholas. Each week, I sit down with some of the brightest people building Web3 to talk about what they're working on right now. Today, I'm joined by Drake Danner, data analyst at Flipside and MetricsDAO. On this episode, we discuss Drake's latest work in progress, Badger, an ERC-1155-based badging protocol currently deployed on the Polygon network. Badger was conceived of in the course of Drake's work at MetricsDAO, where contributors providing blockchain analytics services needed access to various SaaS tools like Dwork and Wonderverse. Inspired by JokeDAO's disposable ERC-20s, Drake co-created Badger, which allows system administrators to grant access to Web3-compatible tools by provisioning NFT badges to their members corresponding to their roles. Drake believes this mixture of managed roles running on transparent and decentralized infrastructure is crucial glue for Web3 working groups. It was good to sit down with Drake to chat about his journey from traditional finance to DAO tooling experimentation. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. How you doing? Good. Do you go by Danner or Drake or Drake Danner? So my full name is Drake Danner. You can call me either one. <laughs> okay, great. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, you too. I know we've been uh, trying to connect for a while, so I'm glad we finally got a chance to do it and always good to make some content out of it too. That's the thing to do. I'm excited to... I just started playing a little bit with Badger and I'm excited to talk about it. It seems like it's it's got some deep affordances. Well, its affordances are fit for Guild. Yes. Management like that. So I'm sure there's lots we, we can get into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was really like Guild was one of the big inspirations that and joked out and we really wanted to purpose build it to work kind of hand in hand with Guild. Um, so glad that you noticed that. Yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So first for the recording and for everyone's benefit, uh, give me a little sense of what's your, what's your background? How did you get into crypto in the first place? Sure. Yeah. I've been uh, following crypto for, I don't know, I guess a while, 2014 or so. Really got interested in Bitcoin. Just, yeah. Yeah. And just really just like, oh crap, like, you know, decentralized money and this is going to be cool. And you know, what's this thing called Ethereum and we can have, you know, programmatic versions of this decentralized concept that we're exploring with Bitcoin. Didn't really, you know, have you know, time or capital to really invest in it so much as just kind of sit on the sidelines and pay attention. But uh, in early 2021, I'd say really kind of got back into things. Had been doing a lot of work in fintech as a data analyst. So found Dune, got active on Dune and it was definitely easy to or easier to participate and pay attention to crypto as someone that was kind of contributing to the conversation or like sharing insights as opposed to just sitting on the sidelines. And then from there, it kind of just ran. So had a lot of success, you know, at least with what I thought I was coming into uh, using Dune, eventually joined Flipside to do analytics there and data pipelining. But over the past year or so, I've been more focused on, on DAOs and, you know, enabling metrics DAO specifically. Very cool. I think we first crossed paths in somewhere associated with Dune and some of the dashboards you had made. Yeah, yeah, it sounds right. I mean, it, it's crazy how if you just put some of your work out there, you really get to make a lot of connections. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, I definitely noticed it when I first started being more serious about crypto at the end of 2020 and was really encouraging everyone I knew who was a little bit interested to just, I mean, everyone's, even now though, I, I thought it would end sooner than it did, but I guess the, the recent crash has helped us uh, <laughs> in this sense. But, you know, everyone's got their DMs open. Everyone's quite friendly, I find. Uh, it's, it's pretty rare that you Absolutely. doesn't want to talk or isn't open to, to checking out your thing or, you know, jamming. Yeah, makes things really easy, honestly. <laughs> 
Yeah. Despite how complex crypto is, it's much more approachable to talk to people than like even Silicon Valley kind of startups. I think so too. I think like a couple of things and, you know, just my opinion on, on that is with crypto, there's a couple leaps or steps that you can take. And then once you start to understand some of the basic concepts, things really open up. It's kind of like coming over a hill on a learning curve. And then once you get over that hill, or even if you're, you know, getting close to the top of it and starting to see that that, that's coming for you, other people can feel that too. And they get excited and want to help you, you know, either reach that top or, you know, explore on the other side with you. Uh, It feels like traditional tech and finance is almost saturated. There's so many people that have gotten over that hill that it's not as special to find someone else over there as it might be in crypto right now. Yeah. And also there's, there's such a, even now such a dearth of talent in crypto and web three stuff that it's like someone new comes in and it's like, Oh, I, I we really needed you. <laughs> we really yes. needed something. <laughs> it's just your skill set. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell a lot of my friends, I think there's still a big skill arbitrage opportunity, um, from traditional companies over into crypto. And we still have a big need for people that know how to operate and run like traditional organizations and what it takes to have like a sustainable business model. Totally. I think one thing that's different is that you have to be a bit more self-starting in crypto than in traditional tech jobs or any kind of jobs where there's really like well-defined paths and, uh, you know, 50 years of organizational development that you can just sort of skate through. Or, uh, I mean, I think, I think most of the people who are in crypto like that, like that there's no, uh, prescribed path that you have to follow. And instead you can follow your interests and also that it's sort of, you tell me, but at least in my experience of DAOs, especially very embracing of the, the whole of a person, not just their particular skill set that they got involved with or most useful for, but also, you know, whatever hobbies and interests they have that somehow find a way to be relevant in the cultural happening that is a DAO. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, honestly, that's kind of the autonomy, right? Is you need someone that's going to come in and, and have their own fire and push things in the direction that they believe. And that autonomy is important in having some almost authorial intent over the direction that you do want to go. Being able to communicate that, inspire other people to move in that direction with you and make something happen. Uh, it's definitely, you know, I think you could argue that it might be harder to be a self-starter, but I kind of, I find it uh, freeing almost kind of go in direction you want. And like you said, kind of follow your passion. Yeah, I think you you give up some certainty or stability. Stability, yeah. It's a little bit more precarious, but at the same time because you're you have to be more autonomous, you'll you'll find a way if uh, if whatever it is you're doing now falls through or goes away or changes, you you probably have the skills to find something new afterwards. So it's a different kind of work. Yeah, it's a different risk profile. <laughs> Definitely. Well put. So uh, I, I want to get to Badger, but maybe could we just do a quick, tell me a little bit about what Flipside is like. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Flipside, you know, we do a lot of things for our clients there. I'd say primarily data provider. So uh, we have a really strong uh, data team that's ingesting, uh, you know, transaction data off of nodes, doing ETL, prepping that for end users. We've also run bounty programs for partners. So Flipside's partnered with Solana, Osmosis, Sushi, ThorChain, uh, Algorand. And basically what we're doing is get, getting their data ready for investigation or interrogation, and then also kind of structuring how that data should be interrogated or investigated. Uh, Flipside also has a really active governance arm. So I believe a uh, very large delegate in Ave, Maker, Hot Protocol, Optimism. So that team will really stay engaged with everything that's going on in the space and 
you know, do some meta governance activities. Recently, we've also been spending some effort kind of in the DAO space. So helpful in, in activating and bootstrapping metrics DAO, which is where I spend you know, all of my time and then building, uh, you know, tooling like Badger as needed to support the goals associated with metrics DAO. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about this metrics DAO initiative. Yeah. So metrics DAO was, you know, an opportunity that we saw to take the model that Flipside had been running with the community enabled analytics and bounty programs and to do that in a more uh, Web3 native way, in a more data provider agnostic space. Uh, in the past, Flipside, as a data provider running bounty programs, was you know just running programs on its own data. As a data analyst myself, other people that I work with, we know that you kind of need to use the right tool for the job. So operating a more agnostic program means we're going to get better outputs for partners. It also means that you know using all of the information that, that we've learned at Flipside over the past year and a half, we can build a system from the ground up, but with knowledge and doing that as a protocol made more sense. So who's the, who's the target user of metrics DAO or, and who, and also who constitutes metrics DAO? So I mean, target user side, I mean, we're, we're servicing blockchains, protocols, or just anyone that's seeking information, uh, generally in on-chain data. I mean, up to this point, we're really utilizing flip side data, dune data, the graph, footprint, a few other providers, but primarily on-chain data. Uh, and it could be because a blockchain, you know, wants to make people aware of a new feature. So Aave um, came out with V3 and we want to do some content around V3, how it works, show it in action, do that with data enabled content. And then on the kind of provider side, I mean, we're seeking people that want to produce analytics, which are either people that are looking to get into crypto, people that are active in crypto, spend their time on data analytics. Um, but you do see a lot of people that are students or working at traditional consulting firms that are looking to get into crypto and can find their way in through data analytics. So in that Ave example, they release a feature and then they work with Metrics DAO in order to get proof that it's being used in the markets for their communications? Yeah, exactly. So um, we do a number of things to try to get the word out about the analytics as well. So some partners might be seeking you know, business intelligence, they need to make a decision based on something that happened in the past and they want to understand what's going on. Uh, someone might be seeking more of a, you know, marketing push or community enabled analytics, again, is what we call it, where it's really like, we're going to turn on the machine, make a bunch of database content and push it out into the market. So we'll have our analysts tweet about it, discuss it, really show off like what's going on. So is that equivalent to something like a Nansen in terms of their analytic services on top of the data or Masari? Maybe closer to say like a Masari report. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't say, you know, not like Masari governor or Masari's uh, like dashboarding tooling and, and not really like Nansen insofar as Nansen's doing a lot of um, purpose-built dashboards with really strong labeling mm -hmm. to kind of tell a story about what's going on on chain. I think metrics now really shines on the BI side more where, for example, we had a client come to us that was looking to understand, you know, what type of impermanent loss has occurred on these Bancor pools and you know, based on that, we want to make our, our users whole and what's that amount. So it's really just kind of like asking questions about what's going on in the past. But, you know, there is that other side of more of that marketing push. Got it. And what makes it a DAO exactly? Is it is it run fully decentralized or? Yeah, no, I'd say we're on the, the journey towards decentralization, if you will. The, the value in the network is coming from the providers, which are, you know, the analysts and the peer reviewers. So it, it makes sense, you know, to me and I think other people involved with Metrics DAO that 
the people that are creating the most value in the network should have a say over how it operates and how it should progress. So you can earn, in addition to getting paid directly for your work, you earn a, a stake in the, in the DAO. Right, yeah. So at this stage uh, today, we, we use a token called Xmetric. It's a non-transferable ERC-20. We think of it kind of as like a reputation token. Um, so depending on the number of Xmetric that you've earned based on your actions, you get access to workflow. Uh, we are working on protocol and, and a, another token that will kind of act as a reputation token along the protocol token. But Xmetric in the meantime is allowing us to beta test some of the concepts. And folks get compensated entirely in Xmetric for now or, or also in, in cash of some kind? Oh, the value flowing to the system is, is cash. Uh, we call it P tokens, so partner tokens or payment tokens. Uh, if we do work with Aave, we might pay you know analysts and peer reviewers with Aave okay. alongside Xmetric. Really want kind of that reputation token to be more of like a back-end tracking tool rather than seen as compensation. Got it. So uh, speaking of back-end tracking of sort of reputation within mm. the system, I guess that's a perfect segue to Badger. So where did Badger get started? Inside of MetricsDAO? So inside of MetricsDAO, we think about like our participant network, but we also have uh, contributors, kind of like more team members that are doing operational roles or buttressing the bounty system where the providers or the participants are active. And for the contributors, we need to make sure that they have access to you know, the right Discord channels, maybe some bounty boards like Dwork or Wonderverse, uh, Snapshot as well. And we just needed a way to be able to use kind of one system to provision multiple tools. And I'd had experience in, um, you know, more traditional companies working in IT doing this type of provisioning, but I didn't see anything like this for on-chain organizations. We explored a few options, but ended up going with, uh, you know, kind of developing our own. And the main thing that, like I said, I was inspired by, by Joke Dow and Guild because Joke Dow exposed an ERC-20 factory, let you create your own token, distribute it as you needed, set some parameters on it. And then Guild would let you plug in any token that you wanted and gate different spaces, whether that be Discord, a GitHub, a private Google Doc. So... Joke DAO had a lot of the features that we needed. And honestly, like, you know, V0 of Badger, I would say, is just Joke DAO plus Guild. But we needed something that would allow us to revoke access. And that wasn't something that Joke DAO offered and not something that I saw at a lot of the other badging tools either. So when, when you're so, talking about uh, provisioning access, what do you have in mind? So, like, let's say, you know, you join our team and we want to make sure that you're able to vote on things that are relevant to your contributor group. We want to make sure that you have access to the right Discord channels. And then maybe, you know, we're operating, say, like a bounty board through a program like Dwork or Wonderverse. You're on the growth team. You need access to the growth tooling. Got it. Uh, I could either go into each one of those tools and provision you individually, kind of like managing transactor lists on each of those tools. Or I could give you uh, some sort of key. And what we've seen is like most of these tools like Snapshot or uh, Dwork or Guild are thinking about like bottom up organization formation. So like you go to an NFT man, you buy the NFT. Now there's, you know, 10,000 people that exist in a network that all get access to something. And it's very bottom up. Um, but traditional organizations operate a lot more top down where you have an administrator that can provision different accounts, revoke access, et cetera. And 
I'd say that's kind of a anti-decentralization, anti-Web3 ethos. Um, so we wanted to find something that was kind of in the middle. And a big piece of that felt like it was just transparency and access to data. So if we, if we embrace top-down systems with high access to data, then maybe we actually can create middle-out systems where anyone that has access to that data could become an administrator in their own right. What do you mean by uh, it allows, last piece, administrator in their own right? Um, if I manage uh, a network and I manage like a set of keys for people in that network and I manage locks that people in that network can access and it's public data, how all of that works, then anyone else could set up their own set of locks and their own set of keys and kind of like kind of vampire attack that network. It becomes very easy to move networks around when all the data is public. So the, the essentially the provisioning administrative tools are all on-chain, in this case on Polygon, at least for now. Yes. Uh, so anybody can go and replicate. If they disagree with the way that you're running some tooling or they want to offer some other tooling, they can replicate the list and go from there. They don't need to start from scratch. And they also can manage multiple tools as long as those tools are paying attention, like they're Web3 native and pay attention to Polygon and who owns what NFTs. They don't need to go into each tool and use their own administrative mm -hmm. system. Instead, the, the tooling can, can just pay attention to who owns the NFTs. Right, right, exactly. And, and there were, I mean, in metrics now, there were cases where, you know, I was kind of acting as an administrator for the entire contributor network. But within that contributor network, there are different pods and different pod leaders. And those pods are going to operate better if the pod leaders can access and control all the tooling for their people. So if I set things up in a way that's all public, and very transparent and clear about how everything works, then they can kind of take up the mantle and bring their pot out into its own organization if they desire. So the idea is like, it's interesting. It's not uh, like say the X metric token we were talking about. You wouldn't want that to be the kind of token where an administrator can just delete your tokens right. or move your tokens. But for access to, I don't know, maybe these things aren't compatible right now, but you can imagine a future where Discord moderator status or admin of the discourse forum or Figma access or Notion access, or as you say, Dwork uh, or Wonderverse, I guess already have this kind of thing. Um, you do, it's okay to have someone delegated the responsibility of controlling who has permissions to modify or invite or, or change the billing, et cetera, of different tools. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, having kind of that nuance between contributor and participant and also recognizing that an individual could be both at the same time um, gives you a little bit more design space. Uh, so our guild has some channels that are gated to people based on their X-metric holdings, which again is like a non-revocable, uh, non-transferable token that people earn based on their reputation in the system and some other spaces that are, you know, gated based on badges. So that allows us, again, I think Guild is one of the best tools out there for organization management right now, at least for on-chain orgs. Um, and it gives us a lot of flexibility to utilize fungible tokens and semi-fungible tokens alongside each other. When you're talking about your Guild, which Guild is that specifically? That's MetricsDAO, so okay, guild.xyz okay. slash MetricsDAO, yeah. Okay, 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 sorry. I thought you meant um, sometimes people use Guild to mean like a task force within... Ah, uh, uh, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you mean the the sort of ownership of Xmetric or other assets on chain that's used to to define a member of the Guild.xyz Metrics DAO Guild? Exactly, exactly. And then um, 
you know, some other organizations that I'm in UTC, Costa Nostra, we use Guild as well. And again, having that mix of, you know, we can go to joke Dow and mint some fungible tokens. We can go to uh, badger, mint some non-transferable tokens, or we could, you know, we can also make transferable tokens with badger, but there's basically just a lot of design space then where you can have a bunch of different mechanisms managing how do people earn access or how are people granted access? So you get a little bit of like a hybrid permissioned permissionless setup, um, which again, I just think opens design space. That's a little bit different than some of the bottom up formation we've thought about for the past couple of years. And is there, I mean, the obvious use case that we kind of discussed or uh, implied here is like managing access to tools where you want someone uh, to be able to revoke access. Uh, is there, is that the typical use case or is there anything else that comes to mind that this might be, might unlock? Yeah, I think, I think that when I think about Badger, I think about two levels. There's trybadger.com, the web app that's built really for people like me, like operators or system administrators. Uh, anyone can log on there and, you know, just click buttons and set up an organization. There's great tutorials. It's pretty straightforward. Um, if you're a developer or someone that's, you know, working a little bit closer to the metal, there are some more interesting things that you can do with the primitive layer of Badger. Uh, I think the one that is the most interesting to me would be uh, contract badging. So basically, I could build a smart contract that says that it requires a badge to use a certain function. And then I could badge individuals or badge other contracts to call that function. And if you keep going down that line of thinking, Badger can essentially act as like an on-chain software license. So people could buy and trade these items that allow them to access functions on their smart contracts. I see. Okay. So access controls to on-chain abilities across multiple contracts, composably. Exactly. Like the way that, you know, I think about like the application layer is you're mixing a lot of no code or low code tools that have been developed by, you know, really amazing development teams that make the UX very smooth. And you can plug Badger into Guild, you can plug it into the snapshot. It's very composable. It's just an NFT. Uh, But if you're a developer again, like things open up a little bit more, like it's just a flexible 1155 issuer with a lot of different parameters the website, the web app that we build is like a specific opinionated use case of that primitive, but you could take it in different directions. And it's actually, you, you know, when I was onboarding, uh, you tweeted out, you know, reply to this tweet with the type of token that you'd like, and I'll give it to you. And I asked for a transferable one because I think there's some concern some people have about non-transferable tokens. Let's say your wallet is compromised mm. or something. But I guess because the tokens are administered from the top, uh, you generally probably do want those to be non-transferable because you don't really want someone trading around their, I don't know, D-work permissions. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. A couple of things there. I think, um, you know, I paid a lot of attention to the conversation around soulbound tokens, non-transferable tokens. I think there was a lot of uproar maybe is the right word. I don't know, concern around how those would play in our ecosystem. Um, so we just kind of made the decision that with Badger, if, if you own a badge, you can always forfeit it. So they're, they're oh, cool. non-transferable, but they're burnable. Um, it's not like a tattoo so much as kind of like your individually provisioned key that you can turn in if you want to, you know, resign. Um, as far as the transferable and the non-transferable thing, 
I'm still kind of exploring that space. Um, and like, you know, with the, with the tweet that you responded to, that's one of the organizations where I'm kind of playing around because if you, if you have a flexible contract, so Badger factory gives every organization its own contract. And within that contract, each token ID kind of represents a badge. So token ID zero could be, you know, core team member badge, token ID one could be a contributor badge. And then each one of those badges has its own parameters. Right. For people not familiar, um, the, the token IDs, you can issue multiple of each token ID in 1155 contract. So the token ID can represent some kind of responsibility and then you can have multiple of them given out to multiple different addresses. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, and if you, you know, say like token ID 10, we're going to define it as a transferable token. Um, but, you know, zero through nine are all, you know, non-transferable. They represent different roles. And, you know, as Nicholas said, we can issue those to different team members or, you know, groups, people. If you have a mix of non-transferable and transferable tokens inside of a contract, I think that you might be able to move towards like an economy inside of a contract. Mm and say that there are like, you know, tokens that represent individuals or roles within that economy, as well as like a number of, again, semi-fungible objects that exist within that economy that could be uh, transferred amongst people that have roles or people that exist outside that contract. So you're saying uh, I could have token ID one is something non-transferable, token ID two is transferable, but I need to hold token one in order to be able to send or uh, I guess receive even you could add a requirement that I have to hold token one in order to be able to touch and interact with token two. Right. Right. And you know, I don't, you know, just to be clear, I don't think that the way that we have it set up wouldn't necessarily allow that type of situation. But if you say that, you know, token ID two is used in some other exogenous application and that exogenous application checks for token ID one to see if you're allowed to spend token ID two. I see. You so could you also imagine this way. Exactly. Exactly. That's I keep moving towards that direction where I'm like, I think you could use a badge organization to run a game. Um, and I think that when I first discovered 1155 about a year or two ago, there was a lot of discussion about how it would be used for game economies. Um, and I think, I think that's super interesting. I haven't seen uh, people explore 1155 as much as I would expect. Yeah. I think a lot of the excitement has been around, um, speculation on strict non-fungible tokens but there are a lot of 1155s out there given that uh, i think all of the OpenSea shared contract nfts are all 1155s so yes uh, there are quite a few out there just most of the most people don't know that that's what they are uh, i remember uh, early in my nft analytics days i was looking at gutter cats and that's an 1155 contract and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm used to 721s. Like, it's all very simple. You see, you know, one item moving around. Uh, with 1155s, you have all kinds of different stuff like batch transfers. Uh, you can do transactions that might transfer different token IDs of the same contract or different balances of those different token IDs of the same contract. Um, so it gets a little funky. Uh, but the design space is exciting. Definitely. Uh, it's very cool. And I think, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll eventually see some of that Skyweaver and, and other games coming a little bit mm. more, more to the fore. Um, I'm curious, what was your role exactly on the project and who else uh, was involved in building it? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, a couple guys that definitely we need to shout out is uh, Mason and Chance. So Mason is Mace on the chain on Twitter. 
Mason the Chain, and then Chance is NFT Chance. Mason was a lead developer on this project. Chance uh, did a lot of work to support Mason and do you know help us work through a couple different roadblocks. My main role is you know been operator at Metrics DAO, so I'm looking at a lot of different tools in the market, trying to find things that will you know meet our needs, and then just trying to you know in cases where I can't find what we need, get the right team together to to deliver what we do need. So I didn't do a lot here, Nicholas. I was just, you know, idea guy in QA, uh, implementer and, and uh, talker. <laughs> Senior idea guy, we call that around here. Exactly. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And I'm curious, I, I know I haven't dived deeply into it, but I know there is uh, something called HATS protocol. And I know uh, mm-hmm. there's Orca, which has renamed, I can't recall what they've renamed to. Um I don't know if those are overlapping. I think hats is maybe the closest thing to what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, initially, I mean, of course, when you're trying to solve a problem, like you honestly never want to have to build the solution. Like it's easier if you can just go find one, especially in crypto, because things are often free. Um, honestly. Uh, so like we looked at, we, (laughs) we looked at the other options. Um, you know, PO app is kind of, I think like, something that people look at initially, but they use a shared contract on Gnosis chain. I mean, Gnosis chain is easily indexed, but the shared contract makes the data difficult. Mm. We also looked at um, Otter Space, but again, a shared contract with a unique um, EIP, so not as composable and not as indexable as we needed. OpenSea actually kind of suffers from that same problem, where it's all those 1155s are on the same contract, so data indexing is just yeah it's terrible and i mean we're flip side like we know how to work with crypto data like we know what we need um hats again strangely a shared contract oh really i didn't realize Um, that yeah so hats is taking honestly a super interesting approach i'm very fascinated by it and i'm excited to like hopefully be involved with whatever they do they have like one 1155 contract which is the hats contract and then depending on the token IDs you're using, it defines like different branches of a tree. So the data indexing is possible. It's just, I think it's going to require some specialized indexing. Um, and like, again, as an operator, I'm just like, I need this shit to work. <laughs> like I need it to be super simple. Um, so I was talking to Mason and Chance and I'm like, guys, like, you know, there's this, there's that. Like, I feel like all I really need is like my own NFT contract where I can just plug that contract address in the guild and plug a token ID in. Uh, And if these were 1155s, then I could just use token ID zero as my core contributor. I could use token ID one to represent this pod or that pod. Like, again, being the senior idea guy, like it felt like an easy idea, but nothing on the market was was making it as simple as it needed to be, uh, if that makes any sense. It almost felt like it was such a simple problem that everyone tried to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, I have to spend a little bit more time with Hats Protocol um, because that is an interesting project too in this direction. Uh, and it's Metropolis. Yes. Orca has renamed to Yes, Metropolis. yes. Thank you. Uh, which I guess has the pods concept, which is similar. Uh, I'm not sure if how their admin stuff works. If it's if it's the same as Badger. Yes, there are there also I believe a Gnosis safe wrapper, um, oh. which is you know, so you're you're coming in with a safe and kind of like building a pod around that. I could be totally wrong. 
but that, that was my understanding when I looked into it. Badger, I mean, Badger contracts, honestly, they can hold assets because they're just 1155. So like you could use a Badger contract as a safe if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like for our use case in metrics now, like we already utilize you know, Gnosis safe. We utilize different payment processors that wrap around that. So we just needed a, a distinct credential management system. And uh, in the blog post uh, launching thing, Mason talks a little bit about treasury management. Is uh, a badge from Badger something that could be used for managing a, a, a safe? Um, theoretically, so still kind of exploring, like integrating with Gnosis and, and what that might look like. Um, and then at the same time, like recognizing that these Badger organizations could theoretically operate as safes on their own. So right now, you could transfer assets to a Badger contract and the contract owner can withdraw them. Um, But I believe in the future, what we want to be exploring is kind of having like a set of admins on a contract that are represented by badges. And then those admins almost working together as a multi-sig. I think it's cool to think about a multi-sig made up of transferable badges. And you kind of have like a rotating set of signers. But again, new design space, uh, not yet explored. Very cool. So it's live, right? It's in people's hands basically already. Try Badger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's ready to rock and roll right now. We've been using it in metrics Dow. We've had a couple other, uh, team members and flip sides spin up little Badger organizations for groups that they run. I believe content guild and crypto culture and society have taken a look at it and are starting things up too. So uh, yeah, it is live and I'd be happy to talk to anyone that's interested about use cases, implementation, missing features, etc. Very cool. So y- y'all are actively developing the subsequent updates to it uh, according to feedback? Yeah, yeah. Um, building in public. So everything is roadmapped out on GitHub. Um, trying to keep our docs in a really good shape as well. I believe that we are on v5 or v6 on the roadmap right now and we're we are roadmapped out to v18 or so wow and are there any key features coming up that people should be excited about i think like one of the more exciting ones that i think should be coming hopefully by the end of the year is for like gas station implementation so this one i'll try not to spend too much time on it we did post a paper about this uh on cosanostra.gg so we're looking at subsidizing transaction costs for uh, different protocols. And there are gas station implementations that do things like this. Uh, I mean, you can look at other blockchains too. Like Flow has done a really good job of abstracting all transaction fees away from users. Um, so we want to build kind of like a badge-enabled gas station. And the first place that we'll use that will just be on Badger to make Badger completely free for anyone. And then you could use mm, you could use badges to set up your own gas station network and make your protocol free and have like an intelligent subsidization mechanism. So based on someone holding a certain set of badges, they might get subsidized at a different rate than someone else. Very cool. So you could uh, make your your DAP free for people who have have a badge, a certain NFT. Exactly. You would basically you pay transaction cross. fees on their behalf. You can even do that cross network. You could even. Uh, yes, you could. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And are you married to Polygon or how do you think about the chain that you're mm-hmm. to deploy on? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
Polygon is like fantastic for, I mean, it's fantastic. Like it's so cheap. We've run, I think there's something like 70 or 80 Badger organizations that have been created. You know, obviously a wide number of those are just people testing it out, but we do have over 250, you know, unique badge holders and I'd say, you know, solid usage and the total cost for everyone has been under $6. Awesome. Like that's crazy. Um, Everything indexes against Polygon. There's you know no concerns because we can do that cross-chain indexing. We definitely want to impl- uh, deploy on other EVM chains, though. So you know if anyone has a reason that they need to be on a certain chain, please reach out. We'll, we'll make it happen. Um, and then eventually, would love to get some Create2 action flowing and see cross-chain organizations um, basically have one organization on every chain and deploy badges on the chains that are, you know, right for different purposes. Yeah, I guess one thing that's nice about this architecture, it's it's very simple, uh, but there's no real lock-in because at any point you could mm. take a snapshot of all the badge holders and migrate to a different protocol or roll your own thing or switch chains and use the same protocol on a different chain. So it's nice because they're yeah. because everything is public and uh, you have this administrative control. You're not really at risk of... I mean, there's there's very low risk. There's not really a, a moat or any kind of lock-in uh, that makes this a dangerous thing to try. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and that was something that Joke Dow helped me understand a lot. So Joke Dow is, you know, one of the big things that I saw from them early on was like single-use contracts. Like, guys, let's just you know issue some coins, run this on-chain vote. Uh, and next week we'll do it again, but like, who cares if it's the same contract? Like, we're just going to keep moving. We're going to keep iterating. Um, obviously, you know, when you're running an ongoing organization, like you don't have to change things all the time, but by having the really open data system, uh, in enabling like bulk actions, it's pretty easy to migrate your organization manually right now. And in the future, we want to offer a lot of like automated migration stuff. So, I can imagine a situation where, you know, someone's running their organization on Ethereum, it gets up to a certain size, they want to migrate it over to Gnosis chain to save money, make that very nice and easy for them. You're basically just pulling data off the chain on Ethereum, put in a CSV, mint over to Gnosis. Uh, And then the only thing you have to do is go change your locks. When you say change your locks, that's change uh, responsibilities associated with each NFT? I would say that like, Again, we have like all these different token gate parameters that are available in Guild or Snapshot or you know Wonderverse or Dwork. Those are kind of always the ones I go back to. But um, Badger being kind of the, the key maker for those different locks. Uh, if I issue different keys, I just probably need to go back to Guild and Got switch it. my setup on my lock. Right. Right. Very cool. Um, that's, uh, super interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to take, I mean, I've played a little bit with it, but I'm going to have to take a closer look. So if people want to try Badger, where should they go and where should they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Trybadger.com. Please try it out. Shoot me a message if you have any questions or want to jump on a call to talk about it. Twitter is honestly probably the best way to reach me at Drake Danner on Twitter. And yeah. Perfect. Happy to chat with anyone about Badger and anything else DAO or Web3 related. Awesome. Is there anything else you're jamming on? I know you mentioned Joke DAO. I, I agree with you. I think Joke DAO was incredibly influential for their discovery, invention of these kind of disposable ERC-20s. I, I had yes. to you know, use them that way. 
I thought that was very exciting. Still is exciting. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. I got a chance. So Sean, uh, lead developer at Joke Dow, uh, was at Flipside for a while when I started and got a chance to meet him. And his work has definitely been an inspiration. So really happy to connect with that team and, and kind of watch everything that they're doing. Yeah, Sean's awesome. Joke Dow's great. Anything else you're super excited about uh, this week or uh, mostly Thanksgiving? <laughs> Dude, mostly Thanksgiving. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming through. And uh, yeah, come hang out next week. Be doing another show uh, every Friday, you know? Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Look forward to talking to you more. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. See ya. All right. See you, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Web3 Galaxy Brain. To keep up with everything Web3, follow me on Twitter at Nicholas with four leading ends. You can find links to the topics discussed on today's episode in the show notes. Podcast feed links are available at web3galaxybrain.com. Web3 Galaxy Brain airs live most Friday afternoons at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2200 UTC on Twitter Spaces. I look forward to seeing you there.